what is up everybody happy saturday it is saturday january 6th we are the take for take podcast happy new year trent and i holding it down today we got a super fun episode whole lot of football not only to catch up on but to preview um obviously college football playoff talk national championship coming on monday we're gonna do a deep dive into all of that transfer portal ohio state's got their new quarterback hint hint all three of us are super excited um Good weekend of NFL football. We kind of have a clear-cut, obviously clear-cut MVP winner, but um, teams are kind of separating themselves, entering the playoffs. We'll get into that. Uh, Happy New Year, Trent. How we doing, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. Happy New Year to you. Um, It was a a wild weekend for me. Um, Had a surprise birthday party. Appreciate appreciate you uh, tagging along for that. (laughs) We'll get to that later. But... um, (laughs) Between that and, and a New Year's celebration, hell of a weekend. I think I'm fully recovered now, and I'm excited for um, one of the best football weekends um, these next two weeks, I think. I agree. Here, when you got, um, obviously, the college football playoff championship, and then that leads you right into wild card weekend. So, for it, pumped to talk about it, and I wish Gagers was here, but uh, we'll have him here next week, so... Yeah, uh, Gages will be with us next week. Uh, some travel issues and timing and whatever, but we'll figure it out. Um, if I sound kind of hoarse, I apologize. I'm kind of getting over a, a cold, flu-like symptoms. Been battling that for about a week now, so uh, not at 100%, but we're, we're trying to push through. Hence uh, why I wasn't at the surprise birthday party last weekend. So my, my sincerest apologies. I hope you understand. But... <clears throat> Yeah, let's dive right into it, man. Like I said, we got a lot to talk about. And we're going to start with the best weekend we've had as a collective group on this podcast. We've been doing, what, almost, or over over 50 episodes. This is episode 51, and this is our best weekend. 15 and 3 combined. Trent gets his first 6-0 weekend. Welcome to the club. I know it feels fucking phenomenal. We'll let you uh, kind of sit on your high throne here and, and talk about your plays. But before we do that, we're going to get into Gages since he's not here with us. We will start with his two or his one, two losses. Holy shit, I'm all over the place. Four and two for Gagers. Um, Alabama plus one and a half was one of his losses. The other loss was Wyoming minus three against Toledo in the Arizona Bowl. I believe that's the, the Barstool Bowl. But his four wins... Ole Miss plus four and a half against Penn State. I was also on that. That line was just completely disrespectful. The wrong team was favored there, in my opinion, and the outcome of that game kind of proved that. Georgia minus 21. That spread just kept climbing and climbing and climbing, and we talked last week that that game could get really ugly really quick, and it did. 63-3 was the final there. Washington, Texas over 63 in the Sugar Bowl. Um, game finished 37-31 due to quick math. That's over 63 points. And his final win, Miami and Baltimore on Sunday, over 46 and a half. Uh, Baltimore put up 56 by themselves, an absolute ass-kicking of the Dolphins. So ob- obvious winner there. 4-2 weekend for Gagers, really nice. Um, I was 5-1. and one. But before we get into my picks, Trent, this is your time, brother. 6-0. and oh. You're only three games below 500. You have a winning weekend. That's all we need. Next week, a winning week from you, and you're back in the green. Congratulations, brother. 
Yeah, man, it feels great. It feels great. It was a long time coming. A lot of uh, shit taking that I had to deal with between the two of you. And um, I'm playing my best ball when it matters, right? Right before playoff. Hey, it's playoff time, man. He's stepping up. I step it up. When the lights are bright, I, I get I get uh, stronger. So um, I'll jump right into them here. So I was on Old Miss, Penn State in the uh, – what bowl was that? I don't remember the bowl. I, I was on the – I don't even remember. Because I was on the over. I don't care what the fuck they call it, what type of bowl they call it. I was on the over. Peach Bowl. Over Peach 50. Bowl. Each bowl, yep, and it ended at, uh, I believe, 63, so that was uh, pretty comfortable, about two touchdown win for me, didn't have to sweat. Um, <clears throat> I was on the Oregon team total for 41 and a half. I think we uh, we all kind of agreed that that game could get, could get ugly. Um, you know, I was really confident that Oregon was going to score. I guess the only question was going to be to keep up with them uh, as, as far as the spread goes. Uh, they did not, but I, I was very confident they would that over, um, and they did pretty easily. So that's 2-0 and there. <clears throat> then my last four were all NFL. I've been playing a lot of NFL uh, to a lot of success lately. Uh, the Texans minus four at home against the Titans. A must win for the Texans to keep their playoff hopes alive. And uh, They comfortably won by, I believe, 23 points. No sweat there. Another no sweat win, a little tease. Didn't have to tease it though. Bears plus three and a half, the over thirty one. Uh, the Bears, I think they put up around thirty four, thirty seven points. Thirty seven, yeah. Thirty seven, and uh, just smoked the Falcons. Um, that went over the uh, normal total. Obviously, the Bears covered that normal spread as well. Um, Rams Giants over forty three and a half. That ended at fifty one. Then really my only sweat of the day was the Niners minus 13 and a half. Call it a sweat. I mean, they were up 17 with like five minutes to go, and they um, were at the one-yard line driving, and um, they actually didn't get it in, so there might have been a little bit of sweat. Um, you know, I, I never really worried about it. I didn't think uh, Sam Howell was going 99 yards for the backdoor cover. So, to know, man, it feels great. Um and I'm just going to keep it rolling, man. Only three games below 500. And um, I'm excited, man. Yeah, I, I, w- I wasn't like trying to poke fun. I wasn't trying to poke fun either, man. 6-0 and is impressive. And um, I, th- I believe now we've all done it once so far this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. So, congratulations for that. Um, run through my picks really quick. I'll start with my two losses. Or, excuse me, one loss. 5-1 and one on the weekend. We're going to save that one loss. We'll go through to five wins. Ole Miss plus four and a half. I rode that with Gagers. Um, Oregon team total. I was with you, Trent, over 41 and a half. Um, I was really disappointed. This is going to be kind of a, a tangent here for a second, but I want to talk about it. We, the, the, these two bowl games, the, um, the, the Orange Bowl with Georgia and Florida State and um, the, uh, I don't even, the Fiesta Bowl with Oregon and Liberty, I get like Florida State, the undefeated season, and I, I completely agree that they deserve the New Year's Six Bowl at, at the least. But they should have put fucking Liberty and Florida State matched up against each other and Oregon and Georgia. And and my reasoning, quick reasoning behind that is I get Liberty's one, one is was one of the highest scoring offenses in the country. They were like top two in terms of rushing. Like they were an elite offensive team. But like Oregon, I mean, they're arguably the best offense 
in the Power Five, let alone the entire country. So it's like the the two matchups there were kind of on paper they were good, but in theory, I mean, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm just kind of complaining at this point, but or point is Oregon and Georgia would have been a much better better game than Georgia Florida State and Liberty and Florida State would have been a much better game than Liberty and Oregon. So I'm kind of disappointed in how those two two bowls were arranged with each other. Not sure if you have any thoughts or comments on that. That's just I was kind of distraught watching those two games because it was three hours of just wasted time. They were fucking blowouts. Yeah, I mean, I think the larger point just goes to like how silly bowl season is, especially at this point, especially with all the opt outs. And I've always complained like these bowls, um, they have like agreements with conferences or follow the you know the highest ranked you know group of five. There's all these rules and and stuff that go into to matchmaking rather than just like best tv product which is kind of funny because they use they use the best tv product logic the playoffs should be earned but then for the bulls they're like oh well if you have to follow these specific guide guidelines rather than just like those are the games where you should be pushing the best television project or right so um the good news is it's not going to matter after here because of the, the expanded playoffs so which is kind of scary, by the way. We can we uh, we don't have really have time to do a deep dive today, but like next year, like you said, we have the twelve team. But after that, there's really no plan, like set. Like the twelve year playoff or twelve team playoff is right now only a one year deal, and there's and there's no TV contracts either, so we don't know who's televising it. Like it's it's a discussion for another time because it's something I've been reading up on recently, and I'm kind of like really interested in. There's a lot of like layers to it, but bottom line is Georgia should have played Oregon, Florida State should have played Liberty. Um, that gap between the LSU Wisconsin phenomenal game at noon, between that and the playoff, um, I was kind of sitting in my living room like, okay, well, what the fuck do I do now? Like, I don't, I'm not going to watch Tennessee and Iowa thirty-five nothing. And after Liberty scored to go up six nothing, I was like, ooh, okay, this could be kind of nice. And then. Oregon routed off 45 straight on answered points. So, kind of disappointing, but that's enough of my rant. Uh, Oregon team total, point is, cashed. My two NFL plays, Bears minus two and a half. Trent, you just talked about it. They, uh, no sweat there. They fucking blew out the Falcons. Raiders, Colts over 41 and a half. That was another no sweat for me. 2-0 and in the NFL. And Washington, plus five and a half. Um... I was all over Washington in a nightcap on New Year's Day. But my lone loss and a lot of the country also had uh, Bama plus one and a half. Um, unfortunate because... So here, here's, the, here's the deal. I was watching that game and obviously I had money on Bama. Um, I had my, the, whatever, money on Bama. And... Um, I was watching that game, and I was as, like, emotionally attached to that game as I was last year when Ohio State played Georgia. Like, I was rooting, like, I'd never in my life rooted for a team as hard as I as I have rooted for Ohio State until January 1st, 2024. Like, I, like, 
when they fucking didn't get that overtime touchdown or the fourth down conversion, like my heart just like sank. And, and it, it, it's hard to explain, and it might be a little bit dramatic, but it's the truth. Because like I have like I didn't I haven't felt like many many I haven't felt like that many times. Most recently being the the bowl game last year with Ohio State Georgia when they missed the game winning kick. But like fuck man, I was rooting for Alabama so hard in that game. Yeah, well, I mean, we might as well just get into it now. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're coming from. I'm sure you had a lot of money on Alabama there as well. But, um, I don't know. that. You know, side note, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like when you have plus money or you have, uh, you know, a team plus the points – the game goes to overtime that should just be a winner whatever like fair we, we can save that topic for another day like the hockey bets but, uh, like the the hockey bets what is it they have um they have regulation and overtime bets so like if right they're two separate bets that is smart you should though. at least push like you should at least push you know they ended up not covering in overtime because they did cover in the first the regulation of the game right but Anyway, um, with that said, I do think, you know, Alabama was fortunate to be in the position they were, uh, given how the game was planned out. I mean, Michigan and their special teams <laughs> were actively trying to yeah. lose that game. I mean, they were collapsing on the biggest stage did last year against TCU. I was grinning ear to ear. Like, I couldn't believe it, how, you know, it is kind of frustrating how they, they play per- perfect football against Ohio State and they go in the uh, playoffs and they're dropping punts and they're missing field goals or can't catch uh, long snapper snaps and it's just mistake after mistake after mistake. Um, and it's like, where was that against Ohio State? But um, they all that to say, like, game itself wasn't that great. But, you know, the ending in the attic, like, theater, the Rose Bowl and everything that, that went into it. Storybook ending. Um, Absolute storybook. Yeah, it was, it was nuts, man. It was nuts. I thought Chris Fowler, the call at the at the end, too. Yeah. Um, so it was just a classic college football game, and it, it, it reminds you – it reminded me, at least, and again, I, I fucking can't stand Michigan, and I fucking hate Bama, too, but it reminded me just, like, how college football is top dog, and, like, in the biggest moments in the biggest games, like, it doesn't get any better than that, um, and I think with the expanded playoff, it's only going to get better, because we're just going to get more classic yeah. games, um, so I, I, it really made me excited for the, the, despite the result, it made me excited for the future of college football. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you hit every. I, I, like, I get we have to talk about this game, but like, I really don't because it's like, because like seventy percent of me is like, holy shit, you know, this is a phenomenal football game. Exactly like you said, right? This is like when you think of Rose Bowl, which in my opinion is my like it's my favorite bowl, regardless of its playoff or whatever. Back in the BCS era, like, just it was, it's been my my favorite bowl game for a very long time. And it's unfortunate that Michigan won, but like, 
it it was one of the best. I I can't remember. The, like that was one of the best football games I watched all year. Like it, it it was like it right off the bat. You know McCarthy throws throws the interception first play of the game. I mean it was out of bounds, so it didn't count. But like results in a three and out, boom, Bama goes right down the field. Uh, McClellan like a thirty yard touchdown run, and you're like, oh shit, okay, here we go, here we go. And then Blake Corum started doing Blake Corum things. Um, JJ McCarthy, his numbers aren't going to stand out to you. But um, he was making he was making good good timely responsible plays here and there. Like it was just a great football game. It was a phenomenal football game. And the thing I talked about last week going into this game was the X factor is or was Jalen Milrow, right? And twenty one carries for sixty three yards is not going to win many football games. And I get you know uh, Michigan generated I think it was twelve pressures and they ended up with six sacks. So it's like the defensive line was fucking bullying. Bama's front the entire game. I think they had five sacks in the first half or something like that. Um, that last drive in the second quarter, too, right before halftime, Bama was driving and they were kind of like dinking and dunking all the way down, you know, six yards here, 10 yards there. Um, and then there was like a, a second or a third and five or something and ended up getting sacked. They had to kick a field goal. But um, that was like the drive, in my opinion, that, um, that like dictated how the game was going to go. I know there's a drive in the um in the fourth quarter where if they scored a touchdown it would have been ball game ended up kicking a field goal but not getting a touchdown going into halftime kind of really dictated how the second half was going to go in my opinion but i mean you got to give credit to michigan man i mean i mean sharon moore is one of the best offensive play callers in college football we know how good this defense is like their defense is fucking elite like they have one of the best front sevens in the nation and they don't have any guys that like stand out to you in the front seven they just ha- collectively have a great group of football players and bama the lack of a wide receiver a true wide receiver one showed especially in this game i mean their leading receiver was isaiah bond who's four catches for 47 yards and some of that is credited to michigan's pass rush for disrupting the timing of Milro. but like it was a great football game, man. I loved watching this game. Like it's, like it sounds weird, but like the emotions that I had, like that, what is like what dictates a great football game to me. Like getting super excited and then getting super like pissed and sad and like the stomach churn, like that, like that's exciting to me. I don't know. It was, that... it was, yeah. It was, it was a flawed game, right? But that's what made it like. That's what made it, it fun. Wasn't perfect, like. Yeah, that's what made it fun. That's what makes it, like, riveting, I think. And, like, um, especially, like you said, the set and setting of the Rose Bowl. But, like, Milro, they couldn't do anything in the passing game. Like, they had no chance. No. And I don't know why they didn't, like, I would have got him, like, play action rollouts on the move a lot more. And they just thought, like, almost like an arrogant game plan by, yeah. by Alabama. Like, you really think you can just, like, drop back Jalen Milrow? He's just gonna pick apart Michigan, <laughs> right? Come on, man! Like, what? What are you thinking? And he like had he had no idea what he was doing. Like, it's an LSU, bro. Like, you're not gonna just take a three step drop and throw fifty yards over the top, and the DBs are looking around like, what the hell was that? Like, like <laughs> that's not gonna work. So, I mean, we knew Milrow was gonna make a few exciting plays. We knew he was gonna make boneheaded plays that's just the player he is but i thought their game plan was just like what are we doing and i think in the second half they kind of were just like we can't realize it and there's like we're just gonna run milro every time 
it's our best chance with the results. But to think that you're just going to drop back and just like have Jalen Milrow pick apart Michigan. Yeah, and um, what's what's crazy is – Yeah, that's insane. What's also crazy is like McClellan – I mean, I know what was it 34 of his 87 yards came on one rush, but like after that long touchdown he had, they like stopped using him. And, like, I get Milrose your yeah. best player, right? So he needs a ball in his hand. I understand that. And I don't disagree with that. But, like, completely vacating Jace McClellan in, in that game plan was was idiotic. Like, I, I'm not saying he needs 25, 30 carries. But, like, he was he was having his way with the Michigan defense in the first half. Like, it, it didn't make sense. You're, I agree with your game, their, their game plan. Like, it didn't make much sense to me. Like, they, it's, it's frustrating. Very they're, they're limited. Get it with Milrow. Like, yeah, they're limited, but they should they should realize that, and they should they should have got him on the move more, got him outside the pocket more. Like at least at that point, he can run or like make a pass or make like a backyard play. But just to sit back and think he's gonna dissect that defense they have, is just they have two wide they have two wide receiver threes. As their wide receiver one and two. Like Isaiah Bond and Jermaine Burton are right. slot receivers on any other team in the country, but they have the line they have the lineup outside against um Mike Sanders Will still Johnson. Will Johnson and uh Josh Wallace, like that secondary for Michigan. And it's like they didn't stand a fucking chance. There's no shot. This this, this secondary is you know, gone against Ohio State and their receivers for right. like two straight years. Three straight years that team. Like they're not gonna be a <laughs> They're not gonna be afraid of Bama, so I just thought it was like a very, very silly, arrogant game plan. On the other side of the ball, I do think uh, Alabama's defense uh, played well at times. Um, I thought a lot of Michigan's uh, lack of success was um, self-inflicted on their end, but I think we can say, with like out of doubt, like Harbaugh coach Nick Saban oh like, I would say that 100 percent 100 percent it's so funny watching it uh watching like games Saban loses or like you can tell where like the tide's turning no pun intended but like because he gets so fucking frantic and he like looks he's like looking around and his head's like twitching and he's kind of like looking at somebody to, or looking for someone to like put the blame on or like kind of just like yell at and then you, they pan the Harbaugh, and he's just standing there with his eyes squinted, and he's fucking chewing that gum super hard. And it's like it's it's so funny watching Nick Saban uh, like kind of lose his mind on the sideline. But like you're right, they, he absolutely got outcoached, and the game plan was should have been simple going into the football game. Like run Jalen Milrow, like you said, get him out of the pocket, and fucking use the run game. I, I just I, I I don't like the fact that they just I can remember like one time they did like a boot like a play action bootleg yeah in in the second half it was like run for run for two yards you know deep ball deep ball punt and it felt like that was Alabama's possessions for numerous possessions in a row like he was just taking like he was throwing the ball in like double triple coverage it felt like every other play and it's like it's that's not gonna fucking work the thing about Milrow too is like He's going to be someone like he's always going to be back next year. And he's going to, I guarantee, I will put money on it right now because Alabama's going to be um, real next year, right? They have a lot of people coming back. So I'm so sure that defense is still really young. So 
Milro coming back, preseason top three. Um, he'll probably, you know, be undefeated or have one loss, and Milro will be in the Heisman conversation. He'll probably be in in uh, New York for the Heisman. But when he plays a team like Michigan or whoever in the playoffs, that he's they're gonna have the same issues. Like he's built to like put up like huge stats against like Tennessee and shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. hit that deep ball over the top. He's gonna. But like against a team like Michigan and that defense and like how well coached they are and that that defensive scheme, which is an NFL scheme, not going to just be able to do the drop back and have your receiver run past right. the middle field safety or anything. Like not going to be able to do that. So I fear that Bama is going to have the same problems all again next year. And we're gonna we're gonna be on this pod talking about how great Milrow is and how he ran for 150 yards and threw for 330 yards and six touchdowns. Lucky, we're gonna do all this thing, and then you know when it matters, I I think we're gonna be in the same position having the same conversation. So um, that's just kind of that's just kind of what you have to deal with when you have a quarterback like him. So. That's all I have really on the game. Yeah. Also, last last thing before we move to the Sugar Bowl, um, if he follows his left guard, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's it's easy to say now, but uh, if he follows his right guard uh, through the left side of the line, he walks into the end zone, kind of. Yeah, and we and that's a good point, Austin. We'd be remiss to not mention the uh, center, <laughs> the center gate. Yeah. Uh, um. What's I'm like forget, I'm forgetting. It's like McLaughlin. I, th- I think it's Seth McLaughlin. Is that it could future Buckeye? Future yeah, Buckeye, right? Yeah, literally like a day afterwards, he's in the portal, and because you know Nick David, David told him, <laughs> no, fuck out of here. He told him on the plane, like, then, "Hey, did bro, you we see Saban. <laughs> did you see Saban on Pat McAfee, bro? No. He, like he was on McAfee, and McAfee asked him a question about like the game, and he just like like unprompted as a up the fact he's like well man we had so many bad snaps like the center and he just kind of just trashed the kid <laughs> as he went out the door um, well he did bro i, I was he had 15 snaps 15 snaps that were at milrose knees or below they're not necessarily like he didn't drop or like he didn't milro didn't drop all 15 obviously but like that rule that fucks up timing that half a second he has to squat down pick the ball up come back up like that that, that disrupts timing but it is it was kind of comical that, like, 24 hours later, the kid's in the portal, and, it, 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 yeah, that was pretty funny. Also, Dal, Dallin, uh, Dallin, um, Dallin Turner, or Dallas, Dallas Turner. Dallas Turner. Like, Dallas Turner. what, like, 45 minutes after the game? was like, yeah, I'm fucking going to the draft. 45? How about, <laughs> <probably> five? <laughs> that tweet, that tweet, Got back. That tweet was out right after Michigan. <laughs> they were still interviewing, like, J.J. McCarthy, and, and they, they tweeted, like, oh, he officially uh, declared for the draft. Uh, yeah, he was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Uh, I guess the last thing I lied. So last thing was, um, much as I you know, despise Michigan, and, um, uh, you know, I don't have to qualify this. Everybody knows how we feel about Michigan. Like, I am happy that that kid at, uh, at the last punt in regulation where he muffed it and grabbed it at the one. Shaw. And got drilled. Jake I am Shaw. happy. Yeah, I'm happy that he, he didn't. Happy that worked out for Michigan, and he didn't uh, like muff that, and there was a safety because kid, just not for actually. I'm sorry, I'm not happy for Michigan. I'm happy for the that kid, that specific individual, because 
imagine how you would feel if, like, you're the sole reason lost the Rose Bowl in the playoff because (laughs) (laughs) you can't field a punt and then you grab it again and you get abs. I mean, what was going through his head? He grabs it at the one. There's three Bama players screaming down the field, probably 20 miles per hour, that are two feet from him. Bro, he he, he was literally a fingernail away. Like, they, like, I saw a clip on Twitter and, like, they zoomed in on, like, where his foot was, like, near the goal line and it's lit- it was literally like a fingernail away from touching the white and you're right losing yeah, losing the, the rose bowl like that and that's and they put him in you watch that play too they put you watch that play too i know they put him in they, my, they my bad go ahead no no, no. <laughs> go ahead go ahead <laughs> that's why they put him in but if you watch that play too like the ball hits him takes like a bounce directly towards the the goal line and then the next bounce like a yard before it yes. kind of like Veers to the right and yep. slows down. It was a really lucky bounce that it just had to sit right there, um, and we'd be having a totally different conversation. So, bro, imagine just uh, literally a game of inches. But I, I do feel like that kid would. He would talk about having a transfer. He'd be in the portal <laughs> before the game was over. <laughs> he wouldn't be so, allowed on the on the plane back, dude. No. Yeah. If he if he was if he was alive, he'd probably get to the portal if he made it there alive. So. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie though, I don't know. watching Michigan lose like that would have brought me an immense amount of joy. I'm not gonna lie, but you're it right. You're hilarious. right. It is. I would just feel so bad for that kid. Like, yeah, was... you're right. Yeah, I don't know. But bottom line, Michigan Rose Bowl champs. Um, kind of fitting that it was a Big Ten, Pac-12, uh, Rose Bowl. Felt felt nice watching that. Um, but Michigan, uh, these two teams are actually gonna play each other in October. Obviously, uh, Washington going to the Big Ten. They play early season or early uh, conference season, so it'd be exciting to watch that. Sugar Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Sugar Bowl. Um, I know we have a natty to preview here in a minute, but I could talk about this game and this team for for a couple hours if you let me. Washington thirty-seven, Texas thirty-one. I've been on Washington all season. Um, Take your victory lap, buddy. Take dude, this team lap. is fucking insane. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I bet Washington, if you want to talk gambling-wise, I bet them probably at any which way you could you could possibly think of. Team total, um, I, I took them with the, the five-and-a-half money line. Like, it don't matter. I, I got them a lot of ways. But um, 37-31, the 10th straight game Washington has won by single digits. They can't – or they refuse to win games by at least 10 points, and it is fucking awesome. They are elite. This offense is absolutely crazy. Um, wide receiver group, obviously, we know how good those are. I mean, if Jalen McMillan stays healthy all season, they they, they have three 1,000-yard receivers. I mean, Jalen Polk went just over 1,000, and we know how good uh, Odunze is. But um, McMillan is probably the, the more polished receiver of the three, not saying he's necessarily the best receiver of the three. But he's more of a well-rounded receiver than than the, any other two. Um, yeah, I mean this team's good, dude. I, I don't really know what else to say. I mean it's it's a shame that they keep getting disrespected. Like this is what third third straight game that they were dogs, or the national championship is the third straight game that they're dogs. Obviously underdogs against Texas. They were underdogs against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Um, Michael Penix, my high my Heisman, bro. This man is the best quarterback 
that I can remember watching in quite some time. Probably since Burrow in 20 was at 2019. Like this kid is unreal. He's absolutely unreal, and it's so funny because like you get on Twitter, and like there's people that shit on him because he's a lefty. And I forget which count it was, but someone flipped, um, like, like the highlight video, and so he was throwing as like a righty, and they were like, "Oh my god, this kid! Oh my god, I wish he was right in." He, and it's like, dude, what? It's like, <laughs> like, what do you mean, like? He, that's, that's the old two it thing. I, I always see that with two words, like, yeah. "Oh, let's let's flip a righty." Um. I think we need more lefty quarterbacks in, in the NFL. I agree, or, At least in the spotlight. You know who's a lefty, by the way? We'll be talking about him in a couple of years. Aaron Nolan. Aaron Nolan, lefty. yeah. Oh, but, yeah, um, man, this this Washington team is crazy. 23 straight wins. Um, they're 5-0 and outright as a dog since Kalen DeBoer's taken over last year, who, by the way, I believe he's like 117 and 10 or something, something along those lines um, in his coaching career. And yet, people still don't really know who he is. Twenty-five and two so far at Washington. Fourteen and zero this year. Like this, he can. Uh, if they win a national championship, he'll be the first coach since uh, Gene Chizik back in twenty ten with Auburn to win a Natty in their first two years or first two years of a tenure. Um, this team's crazy, man. And, and, and Dylan Johnson, I hope he's. I hope he's healthy. Um, that fluke injury on uh, the last offensive play of the game for Washington, but. Over a thousand yards in the last six games or seven games combined. Like um, I believe it was twelve touchdowns in the last seven games. Like people just ignore the fact that they can now run the football. Like the first half of the year it was two to one third of pass. Back half of the year it was forty forty five percent run, fifty five percent pass. So they got the best offensive line in the country. They were voted the Joe Moore Award, which is given to the best collective offensive line in the country. Like this team is legit. And it's a shame that it takes the national semifinal for people to actually realize that. And but this team is, yeah, I, I'm beating a dead horse at this point. But this team is fucking insane, and it's fun to see people actually be like, "Oh shit, yeah, they are kind of good." They could like, they could just can continue to be disrespected. Like I did, I did not understand that Texas line, man. Like, no clue. No Texas clue. is like, Texas is good, but like Texas isn't like. A great football team. I mean, they had a lot of scares this season as well, and they're what, like ninety sixth against the pass? Yep. The country, like, that's not a good matchup at all. So, no. I mean, they were getting four. I saw four and a halfs out oh, there. Geez, I think excuse ended me. At three and a half after a late push for Washington, but um, four hundred and thirty yards with less than ten yeah. completions or ten incompletions. I texted. Uh, my fantasy group, like my fantasy friends group, the f- midway through the first quarter, and I was just like, Penix is thrown for 450 against these boys. 430. So I was almost there. But the, uh, the crazy thing is they, they almost blew it, too. I mean, they, they dominated yeah, that they whole did. game. I think Texas was lucky to in that game. And the fact that, um, you know, because of a wild sequence of events, you know, an injury at uh, – you know, return or interference had a chance. Um, but that's Washington, though. It would have right? been, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, Washington, like, like I said, like that, that line made no sense, um, especially with that matchup. Now, you know, the Michigan line, I think that makes more sense given I think Michigan has a decided uh, matchup advantage. 
that Texas didn't because of that pass defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, Washington was the better team. I'm excited for this national championship. I will say on Texas, like it would have been really weird to see when Ewers versus McCarthy in a national championship, given like JJ McCarthy only throws like absolute gas, like 99 mile per hour balls, even if the receiver's five yards in front of him. And Quinn Ewers is like incapable of throwing anything but a fucking lollipop. Like, I don't know what his deal is, man. I don't know if he's just like too cool to like throw the ball hard line. Like, if he if he back shoulders that last play and like yeah, puts it on like a frozen rope, it's a touchdown. Texas probably wins that game. Like that that yeah. last play was open. Yeah, that he's got to do his little fucking little flick of the wrist, moon ball lollipop, <laughs> and it gives the DB a chance to like. All right, it's like it's like they're playing fucking uh, jackpot. Yeah, and the DB's just like wait for it, and just smacks it out of the dude's hand. So I don't really know like like I think. Quinn Ewers is by far the was by far the worst quarterback of the four. Yeah, I forgot about Milrow. Well, I, I just think Quinn Ewers like a game, for example, like that QB that was a QB mismatch. Oh, for and, sure. And yeah, I mean, like if Texas had Penix, if you switch the QBs, I think Texas wins by you know two to three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean Washington. I mean, um, sorry, Texas. Didn't get a single sack, right? And going into that game, everybody praised the uh, the defensive line, especially the uh, the big boys in the middle, who is it, Byron Murphy and um, the big fucking behemoth, uh, Tavondre Sweat. Um, just they were, everybody was raving about those two, and yeah, they're fucking phenomenal. But I just mentioned it. Washington has the, the best game. The Washington has the best O line in the country. Penix didn't get touched. That's what I'm saying. Like, like why was that spread forward? Like that, Washington yeah, has I, a great O line. They're not going to give up pressure, and then uh, Texas's secondary is Swiss cheese. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I did not understand that line. Your only, your I, only argument, yeah, your only argument is Quinn Ewers and, and that offense just score every time. But like Washington has, you know, they have some dudes on defense; they can get some stops. So, um, give me the much better corporate. now. Like Michigan's a different beast because of their defense and because of their secondary. Um, so. And Michigan's kind of built for a team like Washington, sure. Because Michigan literally built their team to to beat Ohio State, who is basically Washington's basically like Ohio State, like the CJ Stroud Ohio State right. team two point Um, they're probably a, a little bit of better defense, but I mean, that's that's where like I sort of agree with the line now. But like, why? Mm-hmm. Let's keep going back to that Texas minus four. Like that was that was free. That was that was just free. Oh, to grab so Washington free. In the yeah, I, I'm not. I, hey, I'm not complaining about it because I cashed out on Washington. But last thing before we'll move, we'll talk about the the natty. I, I can tell that you're kind of itching at it. But uh, we talked about the zero sacks for Texas. Um, Penix was also seven eleven, seven of eleven for two hundred fifty seven yards on passes that traveled at least fifteen yards through the air. Um. My, we talked about it before. Before that game was Washington's key to victory is generating explosive plays. Those numbers back that up. Washington fucking ran away with that game. The game is a lot closer than what it should have been. But let's talk about the Natty. First time since 2014 that 
the college football playoff national championship will not feature an SEC school. Uh, kind of fitting. First one, Big Ten, Pac-12, Ohio State, Oregon. And the last one in the four-team era, Big Ten, Pac-12, Michigan, and Washington. Uh, so we kind of sit. What? Big Ten, Big Ten. Big Ten, Big Ten, correct. This is a Big Ten championship. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I'm going to run run through a couple, a few trends. I have a lot of numbers on this game. Um, I did kind of a deep dive into a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to go through some trends really quick, then we kind of talk about a side. Um, Michigan has not won a national championship since 1997, in which they shared. Washington has not won a national championship since 1991. They also shared. So we're going to have a, a new solo winner for the first time in over 30 years uh in the college football playoff era the favor favorite has won and covered in four straight championship games the first five in the cfp area underdogs were 5-0 ats and 3-2 and outright in championship games so just if you care about you know favorites whatever that's this kind of numbers to think about there the over is 6-2-1 in college football playoff title games. Washington has played all their games this year, 8-6 and six to the over. In the last seven games in which Michigan has played a ranked team, the over is 5-2. and two. Over currently on FanDuel is sitting at 56.5. Just jumped up, it was 54.5 yesterday. Currently sits at 56.5. Not a bad number in my total opinion. A couple more. Actually, the last one. Then we can talk about your uh, your takes here. The Pac-12 is one and three, straight up in the BCS and CFP title games. BCS uh, became a thing. You can correct me. I believe back in two or 1998. Uh, the the fact check that it could be wrong, but point is the only win for the Pac-12 in a title game since 2004 is USC in 2004. That Matt Leiner, uh, Reggie Bush team. So yeah, those are trends, kind of numbers to think about if you care at all. Um, I know it's the last game of the year, so kind of a lot of people throw numbers out the window, but uh, I'm a big numbers guy, so take those as you will. I have three, two, uh, two big ones, a third kind of a smaller key to the game, but uh, before I get into those trends, we kind of touched on it, we kind of leaning at this line, currently sits at four and a half. Um, thoughts, concerns, comments, initial reactions going into the national championship. So, I think that, you know, just initially looking at this game from a Washington perspective, I think that obviously the health of Dylan Johnson is going to be really, really vital. Hopefully, we have an update on that. Um, but I think it gets a team like Michigan where they're going to play their four uh, defense alignment. And they're going to kind of sit back and I think they're going to make you run the ball and try to take away that passing attack. Washington has to stay consistent. And if Dylan Johnson is healthy, I think they have to kind of unleash him because they, they kind of, the secret nobody really wants to talk about is like, you can sort of run on Michigan. People, well, usually they're just up and people can't stick with the run. I think you kind of have to stay ahead of the sticks in this game if you're Washington. You can't just come out firing away. You know, Michigan will force you into mistakes. Um, but I think if they can establish a run, it's kind of what Alabama did in the second half. 
uh, late in that third quarter and early in the fourth where uh, they started establishing more of a run game with Milrow. Obviously, Penix isn't really at threat in the run game. But, uh, you know, get Johnson involved, get him, you know, shoulder squared up the field, or six yards, five yards, three yards, and then you can kind of open up the passing game and maybe catch Michigan sleeping. And I don't think this is a game, like I said, Michigan was built to stop an air raid like Washington. I don't think this is a game where you can kind of just on Michael Penix. I don't you think don't think it is. That's gonna work. I don't I don't I think you have to involve the run game more to open things up. I don't I think Michigan is too good and too disciplined of a team and too much of a veteran defensive group. I mean these guys are all like four, five, fucking six year players. Um in this NFL scheme with Jesse Minter as a coordinator, I think you're gonna have to push the run, you know, give the threat of the run and That'll open up the pass game. I just don't think you can just drop back like against Texas and just launch it down the field and have have that much sustained success. So my uh, advice to Washington, not that they're fucking need my advice. I'm sure Kalen DeBoer is on top of it. But uh, I do trust Kalen DeBoer in these spots. <clears throat> I just really hope Dylan Johnson is healthy for this game because that I – don't, I don't know too much about, you know, their running back depth, but um, – really good player and i, I imagine they're uh they don't really work in other guys team, no so it's not very deep there's, there's, it's not very deep no. behind dylan johnson um per kalen DeBoer, quote it's something he's been working through for a couple months now my thoughts my initial thoughts are he'll be ready to go come monday so it's a good sign but um i kind of want to backtrack here because what kind of what you just talked about fun fact though i learned jesse Minter came from uh uh, John Harbaugh in Baltimore. He was a Baltimore defensive assistant, and um, Jim, Jim kind of called his brother John and said, "Hey, I need some help," and gave over Jesse Minter. So I learned that a couple of days ago. Fun fact. But um, I think this game is going to pretty much rely on Michael Penix. Um, like Washington's going to get theirs, right? It's impossible to like completely stop and negate the passing attack, right? Like, it's just inevitable that he's going to get or they're going to get theirs. But um. What you, what you talked about kind of led into to one of my first keys to this game, and that's um, if Michigan's defense can limit the big plays for Washington. And if they can, then I think they have a chance. Or not a chance. They definitely have a chance already. But they have more – I don't even know the, the way – or the words I'm trying to think right. They're going to win this game if they can prevent Washington from creating explosive plays. And, um, I mean, Penix leads the country – in explosive play rate, right? So passes 20-plus yards in the air. Penix leads the country with 73 completions. And he's 19% on... 19% of his passing attempts have gone 20-plus yards in the air. That leads to Pac-12, top five in the nation. And on balls that travel 30-plus yards in the air, Penix is completing passes at 53%, which is outrageous. The next closest is in the high 30s. So, like, they're going to get theirs, right? And they're going to air the ball out. Like, they're going to do it. It's just the, if Michigan can limit the amount of times, right? Like, And I think I think from a – that's kind of like what I point was from a Washington perspective. Like, I think that Michigan is suited 
of anybody Washington has played to limit their explosive plays. And that's why I think to establish the run to then, you know, play action, you know, get the, get the Michigan um, linebackers and and safeties kind of up in the box. And then that's how you hit your explosives and that's how you break the game open. I don't think, like I said, like it's going to be a different animal going from Texas's secondary where you can just drop back and as good as Michael Penix is and as unbelievable as his, his uh, trio of receivers are, like you're not going to do that against Michigan secondary consistently like you can against Texas. So to create those explosive plays, uh, to give them a threat in the run game because Michigan, like I said, about, you know, four or five yards in the run, um, you just kind of have to ha- have them kind of edge and, and push up there um, yeah. in the box to maybe beat them over the top. Yeah, I mean you're not wrong. I just I I find it hard. Right? It's hard to see a world in which, you know, Michael Penix doesn't throw for 350 regardless of the defense he's playing against. I just, and I agree. I absolutely completely agree. Whether it's Dylan Johnson or any of the other running backs for Washington, you have to establish a run game. You have to. I just I don't see Michigan getting a ton of pressure on Penix. I just don't like. I have so much confidence in this offensive line. For Washington, like we talked about it already, like they're the best line in the country, and I know Michigan's depth is, on defense is much stronger than Texas up front, and they have a much better front seven. I get that, but like, I'm I'm that confident in Washington's front to give Penix time. Like it's, and you talk about Michigan's defense in the in the 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 back half, like the secondary, right on throws that that are non-explosive plays, right? So explosive pass play is. For those that don't know, 20 plus yards. And that's ball in the air. That's not like a screen, go 20 yards, right? That's a ball thrown 20 or more yards in the air. On balls that are thrown less than 20 yards, Michigan's defense is the second best team or second best in the country at defending those behind uh, Florida State. Now, on balls that are thrown 20 plus yards, so the explosive plays, Michigan is in the bottom half in terms of allowed completion percentage, right? 36%, which may not sound like a lot, but that's a fucking lot on balls that go above 20 or 20 more yards in the air. So if you want to do like a deep, deep dive, which I did, and I guess this is kind of nitpicking here, depending on how you look at it, like Michigan's weakness on defense is explosive plays. Washington's strength on offense is explosive plays. Not saying that Michigan constantly gives them up because they don't, right? But where they're susceptible is the ball thrown deep. And I get, you know, Will Johnson, Josh Wallace, um, Mike Sanders still. Like, those guys, I I get their secondary strong. I get it. But they have not seen a wide receiver core like Washington's. Marvin Harrison, the best best receiver in the country? Yes. But this is the deepest, deepest team of pass catchers that, that Michigan will face all season. Right, I already talked about Ndunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan. Like Polk and McMillan will line up in the slot seventy percent of the time. So like Sanders still is gonna can only guard one of them, right? And you got uh, Westover. I'm forgetting his first name, but the two tight ends, right? Westover and Culp. Like Culp runs a fucking ten second hundred meter dash, and he was injured in the the Pac-12 champ or uh, the Sugar Bowl, so he really was kind of irrelevant. But like Westover. Is uh, it was one of the best security blankets in the country for uh, for Penix. So it's like I don't see a world where this passing attack gets stopped. I just don't. Michigan needs to create pressure. That's the bottom line. I guess um, my pushback on that stat is 
of completion percentage allowed is the best indicator um, for that because I think what make, makes Michigan so great back end is they don't make coverage mistakes. Sure. So there aren't a ton of opportunities for, them, for people to throw deep because it's always covered so well, right? And yeah. They're very well schemed. They're very well coached in that area. I would be curious to see, like, actually, like, the number, the quantity of completions that were, or even attempts that were um, supposed to place 20-plus yards down the field. Yeah. Because, I mean, you watch Michigan this year, and I can't think of one time where they were, like, beat over the top for a long touchdown, aside from one game where there was a um, back pass or a wide receiver pass. I think that was against, um, I think that was against I mean, Indiana, Mar- maybe? I mean, just off the top of my head, Marv, Marv, got, him Marv got deep a couple yeah. times. But again, that's Marvin Harrison, so it's like. Yeah. But you got to think like, Undunze, he may not be as polished as, as Marv, but like, he's just he's just no, as good. I mean, like, they're they're listen. This is gonna be, this is gonna be obviously the biggest test they've had since last year's Ohio State game, um, like by far. Like this is this is gonna be up there, and you know probably twenty twenty one Ohio State game. So, um, they just they just don't make those coverage mistakes, and they're so coached and schemed well that there just aren't a ton of opportunities for for teams to go over the top. Just don't do it because it's covered. Um, so, I think I wouldn't call it a weakness. Um, obviously, you know, maybe relatively, you want to give it in, in that front. I think. I mean, the, the moral of the story is it's just a very very good defense. Oh yeah, there aren't a lot of holes yeah, yeah. in it. Um, but something has you know. to give. This is the number one passing attack versus arguably the number one passing defense, right? So something has to okay. give here. I think this is going to be the most like you listen to previews about this game, and um, you know whether it's from us or any any other uh, medium. I think most of the discussions are going to be on this matchup, this side of the ball, Washington's offense versus Michigan's defense. Um, so I think it could be interesting to, to kind of flip that. And I don't know how and I could toss this to you, to you for this, but how do you see the, uh, the matchup on the other side of the ball going with Michigan's offense against this Husky defense? Yeah. If I'm Washington, um, I'm begging Michigan to throw the ball. And what I mean by that is Blake Corm's going to get his, just like Penix is going to get his on the other side. Corm is going to get his, right? I mean, he's our, whatever. You know, everybody that knows football knows how Blake Horn is going to get his, right? But I'm stacking the box, not necessarily putting, you know, seven, eight guys in the box, but I'm showing blitz. You know, I'm creating packages up front, stunts and twists to that are forcing J.J. McCarthy to throw the ball. If I'm Washington, I'm living and dying by making J.J. McCarthy a dropback passer in this football game. And it's impossible to eliminate the run game for Michigan. It's, it's just, it's been impossible for two years. But, like, I'm putting my all my chips on making McCarthy throw the football. If he goes out and he throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns, you know, and they, and they win and by scoring 38 points, then so be it, right? Then I, then I will say I'm wrong. But McCarthy has not shown that in two years. He hasn't. Right, Michigan for two years straight has been a shove the shove the rock down your throat kind of football team. 
and McCarthy will throw the ball when needed. You know, they get him out, they get him a good, uh, good schemes out in play action, out out in the flats and stuff like that. But like, make him be a drop back passer in this game. Don't let Corum get five, six, seven yards on first down to where it puts in an automatic run situation after that. Like that's that was Bama's, that was Bama's flaw defensively was that they they would give up five, six yards on first down. So it's like, and I think. Uh... I think that it's another tough matchup for the Huskies on this side of the ball because I, I do think their strength on defense, their uh, corner play, specifically Jabbar Muhammad, uh, who's, I think, maybe the most underrated country. I mean, he just jumps off the screen every time you watch Washington. Same with Braylon Trice. Um, Sorry, I kind of yeah. take stealing your thunder here. But that D, a D lineman, number eight for Washington, that dude's a fucking stud. Yes, definitely. Um, but I mean, I love Jabbar Muhammad, and given that Michigan doesn't really rely on an outside receiver to beat you, um, I don't want to say he is like neutralized, but like you know, it's not as important to have that lockdown man to man shutdown corner as it would you know against Texas was, um, where he he was able to match up against Xavier Worthy and, and Donnie Mitchell and all those boys over there, um. So I would worry about Colson Loveland having a big game at tight end. Um, so I think that's something where Washington's, Washington's definitely key on that. And I think, you know, Michigan's going to try to attack the middle of the field when they're not running the ball. A lot of play action, Loveland over the middle. So um, I would worry about that. But I agree with you, Austin. Like, can J.J. McCarthy beat me? If I have to double their tight end, Loveland... And even if I have to throw a spy, okay, like manning up one-on-one with their wide receiver core and trusting my corners and beat you over the top, I mean, you tip your hat, right? Right. Um, But I think it's like almost the opposite approach as, you know, the other side of the ball where Michigan's going to try to limit those explosives. Yeah. I think Washington, you you get really – um, you kind of crowd the box and you, you play a man outside and you, you take away the middle and you make JJ hit those outside the numbers throws. Yeah. And like I said, if he does, you know, you tip your hat, but I think that's your best chance to, to rattle Michigan. And, and because like I said, JJ, like he, you know, that obviously have a lot of talent that's evident, but he has zero touch. On his passes. Oh, yeah. Like, 100%. he is launching that shit in there. And that's another thing that I would be telling Washington if I was their D- DC is like, get your hands up at the line. Yeah. Because yeah. he throws a low fucking screamer. And if I can get a hand on a ball and pop it up in the air and have a muddied, you know, middle of the field and get, get an interception, maybe I can get a pick six. So um, I do think that. When you see how Michigan has lost in the past, it's a lot of time it's McCarthy and their turnovers. So um, they would need to capitalize on those big time. Yeah. Uh, I want to run through two more really quick keys um, before we uh, pick winners here. But we talked about a little bit. Can Michigan generate pressure on Penix? I've said it 100 times already this episode. Joe Moore award-winning offensive line for uh, Washington. They only 
allowed pressure on 24% of Michael Penix dropbacks this year. That's fourth best in the country. I've only given up 11 sacks. That puts them in the top 10. Michigan defensively creates pressure on 43% of quarterback dropbacks. That's fourth best in the country. And we talked about it while uh, recapping that Mich- or, uh, Alabama game. Six sacks on 12 pressures against Milrow. Now, Michael Penix. We know how good he is versus no pressure, where he can stand back there, you know, take a step up in the pocket. 73% completion percentage, 9.5 yards per attempt. So, uncatchable throw percentage. This is, you know, a ball that's overthrown, underthrown, side to side. Really, no chance that his receiver has to catch the football. And it is a real stat. You can look it up. That un- uncatchable throw percentage is 9.1%, which is uh, bottom. Uh, third in the country. So that's really fucking good without any pressure. Penix versus pressure. 73% drops down to 44% completion percentage. 7.5 yards per attempt, so a full 2 yards less. And that uncatchable throw percentage jumps up 21.3. Right. So if he's under constant pressure, he's a completely different quarterback. And yes, that goes for any quarterback you talk about. But this kid with no pressure will fucking pick you apart all day long. Does not matter who you are. Michigan has to generate pressure if they want a chance to be in this football game. Because this is an offense for Washington that if they go up like 7-10, nothing, like they're built to run away and not necessarily go run and win the game by double digits, but not let you, like they're going to score, whether it's field goals or not, they're going to score. Right, so it's hard to play catch up yeah. against this offense, and Michigan's offense your, is not to built point, to play play catch up. Yeah, I mean, to to your point, um, I mean, the last two Husky games, taking a you know a, a double digit lead and just kind of yeah, not to say the game was never in doubt, but they like they coasted, I think control the whole game. They were, and and um, I think their blueprint is the TCU game, yeah, against Michigan last year, yeah, where TCU gets a big lead. McCarthy starts pressing. Michigan starts pressing. They play out of their comfort zone. Like I said, you're making him throw outside the numbers. That's where you get the turnovers. That's where you get the pick sixes. Um, and that's where Michigan really, really plays out of there. You can't let you cannot let Michigan dictate the terms of this game. No shot. You're not going to win that. No game. shot. Like you just can't. Um, I've watched Michigan too many times to to know that. We all know that as Ohio State fans. Like you have to play this game on your terms. You cannot let Michigan dictate the terms of this game yeah that kind of leads into this i'm sorry go ahead finish your point my bad no no go ahead go ahead go ahead no this is this is kind of like my final key and that kind of that kind of leads right into this is it's not necessarily who wins the time of possession in this game it's who wins the number of possessions and that sounds corny and it sounds kind of like obvious right but like Time of possession is a completely different stat than number of possessions. Because Michigan wants to get the ball and just deflate the football. And Washington wants to go, 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 go. So Washington can be in trouble if, you know, they get the ball first, they don't score, or whatever the case may be, and Michigan's up like a 7, 10, nothing right away. That's when Washington's in real trouble because Michigan is then just going to run the football. They're going to drain the clock. They're not going to let you. Washington will get two possessions in the first half if Michigan scores first. That's just how it's going to be. Like they're going to drain the clock. That's just what they do. So, 
who will win the number of possessions and the number of quality possessions. And I, I get it. I know it sounds kind of stupid, but it, it, it's a true and like real stat to look at and a real thing to, to pay attention to while watching this game. If Washington can generate quality possessions, score touchdowns, I don't see a world in which they lose this football game. I really don't. So with that being said, we talked about it. We're, we, we've done everything, at least that I can imagine, of diving into. Gage is on uh, Michigan. He's take, picking them to win the game. He doesn't have an official bet um, in terms of the spread, but uh, he likes the under in the game, and he is picking Michigan, unfortunately, to, uh, to win the natty. Trent, give the people your pick. Throw a score prediction in there too, yeah? That could be fun. Oh, me. I'm always throwing a score prediction in Absolute. there for the people. Absolutely. For the people. Um, I kind of like the over in this game. I um, I just think, you know, as much as, you know, my heart obviously wants Washington to win this football game. I just think that there's so many advantages that Michigan has the matchups and styles of play. Um, like you said earlier, like it's going to be so important for Washington to get a, get a lead in this game. Um, but I do think Michigan will win, unfortunately. And I think the final score will be something around 34 to 27. Go Huskies. Said it before the season started. If it wasn't Ohio State, it was Washington. And here we are, January sixth. By the time you're listening to this, forty-eight hours. Of, future, by the way. Forty-eight hours away. Future on, on uh, Washington to win the title. Don't you hedge? You better not fucking. Oh hedge. fuck no! I ain't hedging. Go Huskies. Complete the fifteen and zero season. Kalen DeBoer cements his name as one of the top. 10 top 5 coaches in America. It's amazing no one knows who the fuck this guy is. Washington Future wins. Buckeye, question mark? Huh? Future Buckeye, Kalen DeBoer? Question mark? I mean... I mean... Just, just saying. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> just uh, Washington wins, yes. 15-0 season. Uh, Penix throws for 350-plus again. Uh, three touchdowns. Undunze and Polk go over 100 yards once again. Back-to-back games. Um, I think Michigan scores. I also like the over here. The over is going to be an official play of mine at 56. Or I got it 55 and a half. Uh, sits at 56 and a half as we're recording this right now. Um, I'm on Washington plus four and a half as an official play. I will also probably sprinkle the money line. Washington wins this football game. And it is a high scoring football game at that. 34-30. The Huskies get it done. Michigan kicks or i'm sorry michigan kicks more field goals than washington washington scores more touchdown than they do field goal give me huskies 2023 2024 national champions now let's transition to the big boys she just spent a lot of time rightfully so rightfully so oh fuck i totally forgot what are we doing will howard is a buckeye We gotta talk about Clap it up for Ryan Day. Clap it up for Ryan Day. Go get this fucking quarterback. Will Howard. Will Howard is a Buckeye. And breaking news, Jack Sawyer coming back. So that's awesome. Will Howard, four years at Kansas State. Going to finish up his eligibility as a Buckeye. 
uh, just under forty or fifty eight hundred yards, forty eight touchdowns, uh, rating of a one thirty five at Kansas State. Added nine hundred and twenty one rushing yards and nineteen total rushing touchdowns. All time passing touchdown leader at Kansas State. Helped win a Big Twelve championship last year with that the uh, Deuce Fawn. Uh, Martinez was there too. They had a solid team back in 2022. But Will Howard is a Buckeye. Yeah, and I just want to say, I, I want to say this uh, really quick because um, on our last episode, we previewed the, uh, I can't remember what the fuck the bowl was. I can't remember Cotton any of these bowl. bowls. But the Ohio State-Missouri game, Todd Bowl. And uh, I sounded like a damn clown talking about how Ohio State cares about this game and uh, they're motivated to win, and um, they scored three points and came out after the fact that, like, they barely practiced during yeah. this time. And obviously Ryan Day was already meeting with Will Howard and, and uh, next year. So um, that was a clown take for me. I don't know why I bought into, like, hype because they didn't give two shits about that game. They played like it. Yeah. It's actually pissed. I dedicated a you know a Friday night, <laughs> Friday night to watching the watch game. that football game and that fucking effort that they put on. Um, anyway, let's 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 swing to the positive <laughs> news really quick here. Will Howard, um, it was kind of the rumors the last couple of weeks. If you were plugged in, um, Ryan Day and, and and Buckeye staff, they have decided that he is I for the team next year and the best option in the portal. Um, Obviously, Cam Ward was in the portal. Um, he declared the NFL. By the way, best uh, best uh, best video I've ever seen for like declaring for the draft. Like four seconds long, and straight to the point. I loved it. Um, yeah, go ahead and check that out on X if you haven't seen it. But um, I mean, like. Ohio State has a lot of momentum going into next year, and this is going to be obviously the biggest year of Ryan Day's career. And I think that I think Ryan Day's job is on the line this year. If they lose to Michigan again at home, I think that's that's it for him. Oh, so he's going with Will Howard. I trust him. The fact that their defense is basically nice. all returning after an elite year this year, like. I mean, Ohio State is going to be, again, loaded on defense. And if they get their upgraded quarterback, and I do think Will Howard is an upgrade over Kyle McCord. Will Howard's good. This team is going to be a tough. Yeah, I, 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 I was higher on Will Howard than a lot of people just for the fact he's that really he good. can move. Like, he's a big kid that can fucking move. And yeah. people try to tell me Devin Brown can move. Like, he can move like Will Howard. So, kind of, it's an upgrade solely. Like, I, can, I was thinking about this the other day, man. Not one time did you see Kyle McCord like extend a play. And I, I don't think he ever threw on the run. No, no. The whole season. So just having that element is going to upgrade this offense, and the defense should be better just because they're returning everybody. So it's going to be another dominant team. Um, they're a lock to get in the playoffs. And, um, you know, is Will Howard good enough to win a championship? With the supporting cast? Find out. I mean... We're going to find out. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, he's he's a better... He's a, like I said, he's he's a better chance of that than Kyle McCord. So, I'm all for it, man. And, um, I'm pumped. He seems he seems like he's pumped to be here. So, 
I can't wait. I mean, I already can't wait for the fall. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm pumped. I was really excited to see that. Um, I forget the, 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 the freshman for USC, the quarterback that went absolutely crazy in the bowl game, six touchdowns. Um, Miller. Miller or something? Miller something. Yeah, he threw for six touchdowns in the bowl game, and then Will Howard, who was rumored to go to USC, was like, yeah, I ain't fucking going there anymore. See you later. So shout out to that kid for uh, essentially, you know, making uh, Will Howard go to Columbus. So love that. Uh, also, really, really quick, uh, Quishon Junkins from um, Ole Miss is in the portal. Really, really weird. Kind of really random. Um, seeing things that, like, obviously uh, he's going to make more money elsewhere. So it's kind of a uh, is Ole Miss running out of NIL money? Is there tampering involved? Just kind of a weird situation, and we'll talk about it more as kind of like details come out because Ole Miss has the number one transfer class. They just won a, a New Year's Six Bowl. They got everybody coming back, and I mean everybody. They're gonna be, they're gonna be a top five team probably preseason next year. It's just kind of weird timing, and it doesn't really make much sense why he would leave, other than he's gonna get a bag wherever he goes. But yeah, I didn't I didn't understand that one either. Um, I think you're, you're theorizing that nil money might have dried up. Yeah, and they brought in a bunch of transfers, and uh, maybe he's he got promised something and they didn't deliver. Um, I don't know. I've also like seen like, it, like it's happening a lot down in uh, College Station, yeah, Texas A and M, yeah. That's why everybody's leaving there. But um, yeah, that is odd. I did I did see a rumor about Ohio State if Trayvon Henderson does go to the draft. I saw that too. Uh, you know, he would he might be the the top choice, and there's mutual interest. Dude, that obviously gross. doesn't make sense if Trayvon comes back. So um, it'll be it'll be great to see. He's a he's a really really talented player. So yeah, he's be, dynamic. I've also seen stuff over the internet like players like tweeting about him and throwing up Instagram stories about how he's a distraction and all that kind of stuff so who knows uh, it's still kind of really really new no one really knows all the details yet so be kind of interesting to, to, to keep an eye on that as, as we move forward and uh, Julian Fleming officially signs with Penn State um, Ohio State or former five star number one recruit uh, wide receiver recruit in the country excuse me kind of got lost in that receiver room at Ohio State uh, got one year left from Pennsylvania going to finish out of Penn State. Um, new OP- I'm happy for him. I am too. Uh, he goes to a solid team. Uh, Tim Allen, or Tom he's, Allen, he's new OC there, former uh, head coach at uh, Indiana. They'll uh, probably have a good offense. Drew Aller, we'll see how he does. But Let's move to the big fellas. The grown men game. Week 18. Holy shit, here we are. One week left. Um, we were kind of talking off air that some of these games, or majority of these games, don't really mean anything for a lot of these teams. But uh, kind of mixed and sprinkled in there is some meaningful football. Uh, first of which is Saturday night, Houston at Indy, eight fifteen on ESPN. The winner of this game wins the AFC South if Jacksonville loses on Sunday. So it is a very important football game. C.J. Stroud is back. He is playing. Gardner Minshew and this Colts team has looked very good the last couple of weeks. I have no play here, but is this a game that you're going to – I will definitely be tuned into, but is this a game that you're going to have any action on? I am. I love the over in this game. <clears throat> um, I think that if you look at these teams and who they've played um, – 
they haven't played a lot of dynamic elite offenses leading up to this point. Um, I mean, you look at the Colts' schedule here. I mean, the last couple quarterbacks they've played really. Um, I'll just let me just run through these quarterbacks really quick. I mean, before the Texans game, they played Aiden O'Connell, uh, Desmond Ritter, or Taylor Heineken. I don't remember that who played that game. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, Jake Browning, Levis, Baker Mayfield, Zappy, or actually that was Mac Jones. Does it matter? No. Uh, Bryce Young. Eric Carr, E.J. Walker, Trevor Lawrence. So they played Trevor Lawrence week six. After that, they have not played, you know, an above-average quarterback. You can argue Baker. Maybe you can argue Jake Browning. I don't know. Um, I think that C.J. Stroud is going to put up a lot of points against this Colts team. And then conversely, uh, it's not like the Texans have faced a murderer's row as well. Uh, the Colts do score more at home. Um, so I think this this kind of comfortably goes goes over. I think you know we're in the fifties, um, pretty comfortably here. So this this total is ticked up a bit. I think it opened around forty five and a half. It's already up to forty seven and a half. Yep. Um, I like I said, I'm comfortable laying that all the way up to fifty. So um, I like the over there. Don't hate that. I kind of like that too. Uh, I've been riding Colts overs the last couple of weeks. Pretty solid bet. Uh, moving into Sunday. Uh, playoff scenario for the Saints. We had to talk about it. As much as I hate talking about this fucking football team, we had to talk about it. Uh, are still technically alive, not only for a wild card berth, but a division title. Uh, unlikely, but still possible. Need uh, Tampa Bay to lose at Carolina um, and us to beat Atlanta at home. If that happens, we will win the NFC South and uh, claim a home playoff game. If we want to make the wild card we need to win obviously we need seattle to lose uh on the road against arizona and we need the bears to go into lambo and beat the packers so still a chance saints made the playoff i may bet the saints simply because of that fact but i'm looking at minus three right now over on their set of 42 and a half um i'm kind of liking the over not gonna lie I know it's kind of a scary bet with this team, but as of right now, I have no play there, and I doubt you have any play. So let's move to Bengals Browns. Well, I do have a note. Oh yes, I do go have ahead. A note on that. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a note, and then a question for you. Oh boy. Um, my note is I need 37 Derek Carr passing yards to uh, hit my future um, his over on passing yards, which was somehow only 36. 50 and a half. Let's knock on some um, wood. He's at, yeah. He's in that 36-14. Honestly, like, I would actually be okay if he got hurt and and I lost this bet just because, like, I don't know if the $100 is worth having to, like, watch this much Derek Carr and Saints football <laughs> this year. Like, I don't know if that was worth it. So I would be perfectly okay with him, like, you know, you know, shattering his shoulder into the ground in the first quarter. Um, it would just be a fitting end to this fucking. Just yeah, remember uh, two months. Agony of a little bet. Yeah, remember two months ago we were we we're sitting here we're recording and just talking about your future that or that future specifically and just talking about how fucking toast and how trash it is and here we are last week of the season and he needs to I pretty know. much not get hurt to hit it. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, and then my question for you is, 
even want to make the playoffs if you're if you're a Saints fan, if you're you. Um, I, I mean, that probably means Dennis Allen is coming back. They already said they already said Dennis Allen is coming back. They already, um, they already what? Announced, they already did announced. They, really? him. they did. He will be the head coach oh next year, God. unfortunately. Um, and uh, just got an update a couple minutes ago. Kamara is questionable for this game. Um, I don't know if that line was adjusted after that or if they're still waiting. But um, I want I want to be in the playoffs if we host. So if the Bucks lose, and I wish we played at four because the Bucks also play at one o'clock. So I'll kind of be uh, kind of watching both games. But um, if we can host a playoff game, then yes, because the Super. I mean, I act like you know I've been there for a playoff game, but like. Watching on TV, it's one of the most electric places in football. So, you know, hosting a, a playoff game there would, would be definitely helpful. But, um, I mean, going on the road, I mean, we'll probably, God forbid we get a playoff, or a wild card will be like the five or the six maybe. So we'll have to go to, I don't know, Dallas or fucking Philly or something. Like, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, funny, funny note is I searched, uh, Allen on on X, and one of the first tweets I found was somebody speculating that he was on the uh, Epstein flight list. So, <laughs> Hopefully, he was. Get him the fuck uh, out of there, man. God, uh, Lee can't stand this guy. Was, I think it was more wishful thinking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, oh, let's let's stop talking. Let's move about on. This Browns Bengals. Uh, this game really means nothing. Browns already they're locked in at the five, right? Five or the six. Five seed. We're we're solidified with the five. Locked in at the five. Uh, Flacco is sitting in this game. Uh, Bengals are out of the playoff race. Lines to seven and a half. That seven and a half indicates uh, all the guys or take into effect when looking at that seven and a half that the Browns got everybody sitting um, over on their set at thirty-seven and a half. I know you will be there, Trent. Thoughts, comments on this football game? Uh, I'm excited to watch Jeff Driscoll, who be our quarterback, I guess. Shout out Gators, Florida Gator legend. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, shout out uh, the swamp. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just something to do on a Sunday at this point. There's um, <laughs> not a ton of good games going on. Yeah. I do think it's interesting to look at. So the Browns, they're locked into the five seed, and the AFC South winner is locked into the four seed. So the Browns yep. will be playing. The AFC South, it's just a matter of who. Is it going to be three teams, right? It's one of sure. the Jaguars, the Texans, or the Colts. I think Browns fan, I'd most likely want to play Colts. Um, Gardner Minshew just did kind of gash us in the season. The Browns did pull out that game. It was a crazy game. I don't know if you remember that. But, I do. Um, I think just based on, like, Quarterbacks, and I like Gardner Minshew, but definitely don't want to face C.J. Stroud and the Texans. And um, you know, as as fucked up as the Jag situation has been, I still don't want to face Trevor Lawrence. So um, I hope the Colts at win um, and win the division, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, looking at the rest of the board, uh, the NFC East is kind of up in the air. Obviously, Dallas and Philly tied. If Dallas wins against Washington, they claim the NFC East and uh, will host a playoff game. Philly, a just catastrophic downfall the last month or so. 
Um, they go into the Meadowlands, uh, five and a half point favorites against the Giants. Eagles, or I'm sorry, the Cowboys are huge favorites against the Commanders. Uh, that's down to a touch or up to a touchdown. Uh, 13 and a half is what I'm seeing. I'll have no action there. Uh, the rest of the board kind of sucks. Kind of, you, you weren't wrong when you said that it's a perfect Sunday to to go to a game. So that way you can have something to do. But um, outside of Buffalo and Miami, do you have any uh, other action or any other spots here that you're looking at? Um, I like the, and we kind of touched on this off air, but the Bears game. Um, you haven't touched on that yet, right? Nope. Go for it. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun game. Reminds me of the uh, Packers Lions game last year. Yeah. Eighteen, if you remember. I forgot about that actually. If you remember yeah. where? Yeah, where the Packers needed to win to make the playoffs. Lions um, were like the up and coming team, kind of like the Bears are, and they were kind of playing spoiler. It was in Lambeau it still too. Had all. The, yeah, in Lambeau. So it's there's a lot of parallels there. And, um, I'm really excited to watch that that football game. Um, obviously, the the Bears are going to be yet again the three of the uh, off season before the draft. You know what do they do with the first pick? Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about that a lot coming up, Austin. But we will. Um, oh, you know, we as will. A, as a field supporter, I, I really hope that he goes into Lambo and, and knocks them out of the playoffs. And I think. Um, you know, I think if the Bears the right moves this off season, they have a chance to be really, really good, kind of like the Lions are this year, and take that leap. So the brink. Um, Jordan Love is playing really, really good football as well. He's super fun to watch. So um, that's just a really fun game, um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. As far as like handicapping it, um, I would probably take the three with the Bears. Um, but I don't feel great about it. So, Yeah, if that one gets above, the more I'm kind of looking at it, if that one gets above three, even at three and a half, I'll probably take it. Um, I don't see it moving above three. I just, I don't, I kind of like. Three, it's been three since it's opened. Yeah, it's I don't. Three all weeks. So. Yeah, if it gets above it, I'll take it. If not, then I'll probably, um, I like the over 45. Um, both teams, or Bears, or both teams really have been kind of clicking on offense last couple of weeks so i could see a lot of points being scored there but um seattle and arizona you kind of mentioned it a little bit um arizona has a chance to play spoiler here seattle wins and they're in uh, as a wild card uh team so that line is also 347 and a half over under um i'm not going to have any action on that game simply because i'm rooting for the cardinals and i don't want to bet money and kind of, it gets complicated but um hopefully the cardinals win that one uh, scrolling through this four o'clock slate. Any other ones you want to talk about before we uh, get into Buffalo, Miami? Um, actually, the only other one I was going to say was that Seattle Arizona game. That um, it's weird. Like that, I don't think that line is a three point line. Like I think if that line is a couple weeks ago, Arizona, it's closer to like a pick 'em. Really? I guess the logic would be like Seattle really needs it to make the playoffs, and Arizona, it's better if they lose for you know draft pick purposes you can't tell me that like at, at this point like the way arizona's playing with kyler murray they shouldn't gi- be giving three or they should be getting three points at yeah. home no i agree against seattle so there is some value in there if you think arizona is going to like try to win which 
all indications that I've read, like they're not in anybody, right? They're they're no, ready to go. They're so playing everybody. I would grab the three with Arizona. One of the best clips last week was uh watching their owner down on the sideline in Philly, just like frantically in a panic looking around, like, no, please don't score, please don't score. And fucking James that was wild, yeah. <laughs> James Conner punched it GM? in. I forget. Is there a GM? Stand- yeah. yeah, no, that's what I'm, that's that is that not what I said? Did you say the owner? Or the I might have said, I don't know. I might I don't have said the owner, but it was their, the GM, yeah. And he was just like in a panic. He's like, oh, fuck. That was hysterical. Yeah, that was good. That was, he, was, he was tweaking. It's funny. Miami and Buffalo. This line is kind of strange to me. I'm not going to lie. Um, Buffalo, two and a half point favorites on the road. Sunday night football in Miami in a Hard Rock Stadium. Um, winner takes in the NFC or AFC East. I believe Miami is in regardless. Buffalo, um, I, I don't remember the exact path, but they win. They win the East. If they lose, they uh, they need some help elsewhere. But Miami is locked in. Obviously, they're not resting anybody because of how much this game means. Um, I like the over here. It's a high one since it's at 48.5. I just, Bills can't stop anybody. And they have a lot to play for. So I, can, I, I see a lot of points being scored here. Um, I probably won't take a side. I want Buffalo to win because I have Buffalo or a future um, divisions parlay that includes Buffalo to win the East. But um, I like the over here. Other than that, I don't really have a, a play in this game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like, um, so the, I think this the scenario, and I, I could be wrong here, but I, it's basically the Steelers, right? So if the Steelers yeah. win, um, if the Steelers win. Then oh okay I, I got it so if the Steelers win and the Jags win, um, Buffalo is Buffalo has to win to make the playoffs. Okay, so here 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 we go. Here they're, we go. They're like a winner in. Yeah, you're situation. right. So if Buffalo wins, they obviously win the East and they clinch the two seed. Um, if they lose, they need Pittsburgh. And Jacksonville to lose. Or Jacksonville to lose. I'm sorry. One, one of the yeah, two. One of them. One of the two, yeah. yeah. Jacksonville. So we'll know by, obviously we'll know game time. Oh, yeah, for if, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's a do or die game. I don't know, like, if that, like, helps your handicapping. Like, if you know it's game time and you know that there's one and the Jags won and, uh, um, you know, you're winner in and losing your out, does that make you like Buffalo more? Does it make I mean, you like it less because there's so much pressure? Well, that game, like, that game literally means everything, right? Like, by the time we'll know, like, if, say, I don't know, say Jacksonville loses, like, whoever loses, right? Say one of those two teams loses, so you're guaranteed in. Like, I, I don't think it really changes. I don't think it changes because that game means so much. Like, you win, you win the East, and you host a playoff game. If you lose, you're going so, on the road. I think how it would work, Austin, is uh, let's say the Steelers lose. Okay. And, and the Jags – let's say the Jags win, the Steelers lose. Or the Jags – it doesn't really matter what the Jags do. But the Jags – whatever. Yeah. Uh, the Jags win, the Steelers lose. So then the Bills know that even if they lose, they're they're going to be the seven seed. So if they lost that game to Miami, Miami would be the two seed, and they would just play each other again the next week. 
Yeah, but wouldn't you, they would. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at it. You're they would. But wouldn't you want to host that? You would. You would. You would. You're right. Um, that's all. That's interesting. If, if Buffalo wins that game in that scenario, Buffalo is the two seed. I think Miami would only fall to the six. They, they so would Miami be. Miami would yeah. get. Miami would get Kansas City. I think. Yeah, in can, three in Kansas City. So I just so hosting a playoff game means a lot, at least to me. In my theory, it does, and I, I can't imagine a lot well, of people I, I disagree agree. with that. Especially for Miami, right? Especially oh, for, for sure. a team like Miami, who's who's beat up, and they play better at home, right? So, um, I don't know. I I don't have a a play here. If if you put my, a gun to my head, I would back the Bills, just because, you know. Yeah, I mean, Miami is beat up. We don't absolutely need it to make the playoffs. So yeah, but I, I, I'm not. I probably won't play anything. I'll probably just tune in and just and watch, watch it. The cinema. Yeah, I mean, Miami. I mean, they're both poor on the road, right? I mean, Miami seven and one at home. Buffalo seven and two at home on the road. Miami's four and four. Uh, Buffalo's three and four. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Buffalo's hotter. They've obviously they've won their last four straight. Um, Miami got. Fucking steamrolled. We didn't even talk about that. Steamrolled by Baltimore last week. Um, so, I, I I love that they flexed it to... I don't even think they flexed it, but I love that it's a Sunday night game. It's the most important game so far of the season, and um, I'm glad it's a standalone game and get to watch that by itself. All right, bro. Anything else uh, on the slate, on the card, anything... You want to talk about before uh, we get your power rankings and uh, get out of here? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so, man. Um, Give it I'm to us, man. For this weekend, I'm excited for this weekend. I'm ready to go. Um, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a fun weekend of football. Can Sunday's gonna be a, a pretty important day. Not many good games, but uh, the games that do matter, they're they're pretty fucking uh, important. And then you get the natty on Monday, so good, a good weekend of football. You are correct. Last power rankings of the regular season, Trent. It's got to be a good one. Better be a fucking good one. Give the people what they want. All right. So the long-awaited last edition of the NFL power rankings, um, number one and number two. You guys, you know, yes, number one, Baltimore Ravens. Um, they earned it. They went into San Francisco. They bullied uh, the Niners. Um, but the Niners aren't far behind. And they're going to be number two. I think it's it's weird to have two teams that are seem, at least seem to be at this point, a cut above the rest. Um, I think last year, you could argue there was three with KC, San Francisco, and Philly. But this time, just the two. For three, there's a, there is a big drop off. Um, I'm tempted to, t- <laughs> I'm tempted to do something. Fuck it, you know what? It's the last power rankings. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm putting Cleveland Browns at number three. Wow. By Joe Flacco, Cool Joe, Joe Cool, whatever the fuck it is, call him. Um, he's playing carefree football. He's letting it rip, and it's awesome to see. Number four, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Um. Again, flawed team, but they're going to get two home games. Like their best chance they've had to be in the NFC Championship game in a while. So, um, if they do get to the NFC Championship game, I do expect them to get by San Francisco. 
but um, I do think they have the in- inside track to do so. Number five really isn't a fifth team. You know, I'll say, and I don't feel good about it, I will say the Buffalo Bills, which is funny because they might not even make the fucking playoffs. You know, I do think Josh Allen, if everything's clicking, it's tough to to say anybody else. Like, we, we've seen the, the high upside play from him. So I'm going to go with the Bills at five. Don't feel great about it. Um, to recap the final power rankings, 2023-2024 NFL season, Ravens one, San Francisco 49ers two, my Cleveland Browns number three, the Dallas Cowboys number four, the Bills from Buffalo at number five. The Saints at number six, like always. Respect. The respect, respect. Hey, you never, the never know. By the time, this time next week could be a playoff team. Never know. Which it could be. Respect. But, uh, it could be. Yeah, pre- or no, one last thing, one last thing. So I'm kind of scrolling through uh, my futures here on FanDuel. Um, you have all the power in your hands because you're going to make a decision as to whether I cash this out or not. So I kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago. I played a three-leg NFL awards parlay before the season started. Five dollars paid out twelve thousand four hundred and ninety dollars. Okay. It was Lamar to win MVP, Miles Garrett to win Defensive Player of the Year, and Devin Witherspoon from Seattle to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Now, Lamar is pretty much locked up MVP. Miles Garrett is the current favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year. Devin Witherspoon missed some time, so he's fucking plus 10,000 right now to win. He's got five or four guys ahead of him. Do I cash this out for nine times my money, or do I just say let it ride and pray to God that Devin Witherspoon plays on Sunday and gets like two or three picks? Um... So wait, two questions. So what what is the total payout? I'm sorry. Total payout is five dollars to win twelve thousand four hundred and ninety, or I can cash out right now for forty two dollars. <laughs> so let me pull up. Why don't you pull up the uh, if you don't have it the, the defense rookie of the year odds right now? Yeah, and I, I got, want to say one thing. I got it right here. Go ahead. Okay, I want to say one thing because um, I have Miles Garrett as a defensive player of the year as well. Um, I have it straight, and although he is the favorite, and you know, last time I looked, what he was like minus two ninety, minus two twenty. Worry right about now. it. See, it's dropped. I worry about this because he's not playing this week, right? Okay. They're locked up, and his competitors, the Steelers, have to win. The T- Cowboys need to win the two seed. Yeah, Michael, Michael Parsons, you're right. And the Cowboys play the Niners and Sam Howell, who takes more sacks and insert like porn star joke in here. Whatever. So I'm worried as a Miles Garrett backer. Okay. Okay. And so- not to make this about me, but my payout would be six hundred thirty-seven dollars for Miles Garrett. I shot for three hundred sixty-seven. True. I think I'm gonna let it ride. You and yeah. Just, like get really mad if he doesn't win. I think that's that's the route <laughs> I'm going. But, um, but about uh, sorry to make this this right back to you. Um, 
can give me the defensive rookie of the year odds. Jalen Carter sits at minus 125. Will Anderson, plus 125. And it's a huge drop-off. Kobe Turner, plus 750. And then you got Brian Branch from uh, da- uh, Detroit and Devin Witherspoon both tied at plus 10,000. So, 10,000, wow. So wait, what would he have to do to win? I mean, Seattle obviously so needs the game. He would have two to, picks. yeah, he would have to get like two two picks. One of them's a pick six. Jalen Carter, Eagles would need to get up huge so Jalen Carter can sit. And like, But even then, like Will Anderson could get a sack and he, he wraps it up. Like, I guess the question is, like, how bad do you need the forty two dollars? <laughs> I don't need the forty two dollars, but it's it's forty two dollars and a half. You know, what I mean, I, and I I was gonna let this yeah. ride, but the only reason I'm asking you this right now is because a couple of days ago, cash out was like eighty five dollars, and it pretty much just got cut in half. So I need a decision That's right tough. now. Decision right now. Three, two, one. Do I cash out? Cash out. Cash out and Venmo me five bucks. Cash done. Cash out. Take my. I mean, the only reason I the only reason I say cash out is because there's just no way. Yeah. If he does get like a pick six and it, like he's still not going to jump all those guys. If he was plus a thousand. Yeah. Then that's different, but you can't go from plus ten thousand. It's such a shame, bro. Uh, it's such a shame. He was he was the favorite. He was the fucking favorite before he got hurt. You fucking I, killed it. That, that's that was a good play, man. You kind of so, killed that. But we'll take it nine I times my money. All right, fellas, check us out on X. Take four, take underscore. Uh, we'll have this episode out there. We'll have all of our picks, all of our graphics, all that fun stuff. Uh, Saturday afternoon, by the time you're listening to this, all the stuff will be out. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We've made it through the regular season and the all end of college football. Catch you boys next week. Peace.